Hello, church family, and happy October. I'm excited because we're starting a new series. This month, our series is titled Waking the Dead. And today we'll be diving into Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, learning what Ezekiel's visions of dry bones coming together means. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Well, friends, as we mentioned at the start of the service, this month we are starting a new sermon series and we are having a little fun for Halloween. Each Sunday this month, we will be talking about what it looks like when the dead are raised, when we wake the dead, and not in Hollywood zombie movies. I promise I don't have any clips from The Walking Dead that are going to go with this sermon, but what it looks like when the dead are raised and given new life in the pages of our scriptures, something that happens all throughout the Old and New Testaments again and again. And at the same time, we'll be talking about this kind of fun Halloweenish topic in light of another important concept, vision. As we shared last Sunday, our church family has a new vision statement, a new prayer statement here at Leroy UMC, and believe it or not, the idea of waking the dead is actually one of the most common metaphors and common images that scripture writers sometimes use to describe what vision is meant to do. So we hope you enjoy our new series, that you have a little fun with us. And as we start, we are starting out with one of the most famous passages uh, of the dead being raised and woken up, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, the Valley of Dry Bones. It's a little bit of a long passage, but it's a great story, and it's important to hear it in its entirety. So friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, to cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied, as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, 
Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Of all the things that our God does, few are as essential as waking the dead. Now, I know that that probably does sound strange at this time of year as we approach Halloween, and especially in a culture, in a society that has so much fun these days with zombie movies and the image of the undead. This is the time of year when little kids and big kids and adult kids and youth pastors everywhere watch The Walking Dead, Dawn of the Dead, you name it. Yet, for all the fun, that our culture has with the idea of the undead and things, the simple fact is that the God of Israel was telling dry bones to rise back up, telling graves to split apart, and giving new life long before the first Hollywood cameras were ever even invented. From Elijah to Daniel to Christ to Peter to Paul to Revelation, our scriptures are littered with symbolic and literal moments when God proved that death does not have the final word. However, few examples are more famous than the terrifying and miraculous experience that Ezekiel had in that nightmarish valley of dry bones. It's a story we've all probably heard before. It all begins when Ezekiel tells us that the Spirit of God brought me out to a desolate valley, which Ezekiel tells us was filled with scattered dry bones. It must have been a chilling sight to see. Ezekiel says the Spirit led me all around them, almost as if in the story God is determined to make Ezekiel understand that this is a place where hope left long ago. There are no tomorrows in the valley of dry bones. But as hopeless and frightening as this place is, it's right after taking in every single bit of this nightmarish scene that God gives Ezekiel the most unexpected command. Prophesy to these bones, God says, and tell them, I will lay new sinews on you, will cause flesh to come upon you, will cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Probably feeling a little bit foolish, Ezekiel obeys, wanders out into the valley, and starts giving orders to the bones, effectively. And to his surprise, from the eerie silence in verse 7, Ezekiel hears what he describes as a rattling sound. 
as one by one the bones come together. Ezekiel watches as fiber by fiber and ligament by ligament, the valley of dry bones turns into a valley of people, of real flesh and blood bodies, men and women, a vast multitude of the dead raised back to life. And while you might assume that this is a marvelous, a miraculous sight for Ezekiel, there is something about it that isn't quite right. By verse 8, Ezekiel is no longer looking at bones. He is looking at people. But at the very end of verse 8, Ezekiel notices the most peculiar thing when he says, quote, but there was no breath in them. That's a crucial detail that we often miss when we read this story. That here at verse 8, at the halfway mark of the story, Ezekiel sees people who have flesh and skin, eyes and mouths, hearts and minds, but who are still completely dead inside. They can walk and talk and get through a day, but they don't have an ounce of real spirit in them. That's actually what breath means in Hebrew. Breath and spirit are interchangeable in the Old Testament. There was no spirit in them, Ezekiel cries. And as he does so, we, his readers, realize that it will take more than skin and bones to give life. God has given the bones flesh, lungs, hearts, and minds. God has given the bones bodies. But sometimes there is a big difference between being physically alive and being spiritually alive. The Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37 is a frightening image. And Ezekiel's subtle question about living without breath, without spirit, is a haunting question, and I think that's intentional. This passage is meant to be a little bit frightening, a little bit ominous, because it's supposed to make us, the readers, stop and think very hard about what it really means to be alive. God gives the bones every part of a human body, but to Ezekiel's mind, they are not yet alive in verse they can go through the world, they can chase whatever goals and immediate tasks possess them, but is that living? And maybe this passage is so frightening because the idea of living without spirit is something we encounter far too often in this world. I mean, I know it sounds silly and strange to say, but honestly, doesn't it sometimes feel like the world around us is out to make us into the walking dead? Into the people who wake up, drink coffee, go to school, go to work, clear our inbox, go to sports practice, make dinner, watch Netflix, check Facebook, go to bed, and then repeat over and over and over and over and over again until one day we might wake up and wonder if it still feels like we're living or just existing. It's a somewhat frightening thought, but it can be so easy in this modern world of ours to become just a body with muscles and skin going through the motions of the day without any real spirit 
to fill us other than our to-do list. It can be easy to walk through the world half alive, driven more by the anxious worries of the present than by grand visions and grand purpose that gives life meaning. As one of my professors, Craig Barnes, loved pointing out, the great poet T.S. Eliot once complained that the characters of contemporary literature no longer have great ideals that either inspire or confront them. Now characters only have nervous reactions. And sadly, the same could probably be said for a lot of contemporary people. Honestly, how many of us see our lives in terms of grand ideals and grand visions, and how many of us spend our days just anxiously reacting to problems? There is a difference between being physically alive and being spiritually alive. There is a difference between existing with skin and bones and living by the Spirit. And so by verse 8, the job of waking the dead is only half done. The bones have bodies now, but now they hunger for a spirit that can fill them, can move them, can lift them up into real purpose. And as menacing, as frightening, and as challenging as Ezekiel's experience is, the real miracle that Ezekiel finds is that our God has a spirit and a vision to give. Verse 9, God speaks to Ezekiel and tells him to prophesy one more time. To prophesy again that breath, that spirit would enter these empty people. And when it does, in verse 10, when new breath fills their lungs, when new spirit fills their souls, when new ideals, new dreams, new plans, new possibilities seize their minds, that is when Ezekiel finally exclaims the words, and they lived. The dry bones, the dead, are finally woken up and finally given new life, not when they are given new bodies, but when they are given a spirit of new life and new vision. That is what the Spirit of our God does. That is what the Spirit of our God has always done. It may be the single most underappreciated, unnoticed, and overlooked thing about the Spirit, but all throughout the Bible, whenever the Spirit of our God shows up, it shows us that new life and new vision are inseparable. When God reaches out to wake us from the dead, whether it is physically or spiritually or metaphorically, it is always with a spirit of new life that fills us with new vision to live by. The secret to being alive isn't just existing. It's having a God-given vision to live for and to live into. And not just here in Ezekiel, but everywhere. In every instance of the dead being raised, either physically or spiritually, the dead are woken by a spirit, not just of new life, but of a new vision 
for life. Elijah and the young boy, Daniel's resurrection dream, Peter and Tabitha, Peter and Eutyches, Christ Jesus and the gospel again and again and again from Genesis to Ezekiel to Revelation, from dry dust to dry bones to dry hearts. The dead are raised and new life comes when we don't just let God give us new life but let God fill us, possess us, lift us into a new vision, a new vision of tomorrow, a new vision of why we matter, a new vision of the story our lives are telling. That's what's really happening in the valley of dry bones that became a valley of lifeless people that finally became a valley of men and women who are truly alive. And in the end, in verse 11, when God looks out at this sea of dead who have been woken by new life and new vision, God explains that this whole frightening scene, this story has been a parable. It's a dream. It's a metaphor about God's people, about us. These bones, God explains, are the house of Israel, my people. They say our bones are dried up. They say our hope is lost. They live in a world that has worn them down and left them physically alive, but spiritually dead with no vision of tomorrow. But prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord your God, I am going to open your graves and open up your tombs. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. That was the new life-giving vision that God had for the Israelites Ezekiel first wrote to. God gave them a vision of a new home that they could call their own a new community that they could belong to, new neighbors that they could care for, new families they could love and be loved by. That's the vision they needed to rouse their tired souls and bring new life into their empty hearts. That was God's life-giving vision for them. But the real question Ezekiel's frighteningly hopeful valley leaves us with is... What new vision does our God have for you? And can you see it? In what way is the Spirit fighting to break in and fill you with new hope? And will you let it in? And above all, what is the new valley, the grander story, the bigger picture, the new life our God is begging you to get swept up into? And will you be a part of it? Of all the things our God does, few are as essential as waking the dead. Because when all is said and done, that is how we not only find new life, but find the grander visions to live for. The world may try to keep us in the tomb, may roll a stone over the grave, may wear us down until we feel like lifeless bones going through the motions. The world may even lead us sometimes to hopeless places, to valleys of dry bones where we can no longer see how life could grow here. But the good news Ezekiel has for us 
is that in whatever valley of dry bones we may find ourselves trapped in, God's final word to us is always the final promise God gave Ezekiel in verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Our God is always waking the dead with new life and with new visions that we get to be a part of. And here at Leroy UMC, as we have said before, we have a new vision. The Spirit's vision for us to find new life as Christ's hands of compassion and new joy as Christ's family of grace. That is one vision that we are called to be a part of in this place. And as we end the sermon and as we close in prayer, I would invite you to pray with me, our new vision as a church family. Friends, please pray with me. Christ, make us your hands by the way we serve our neighbor with authentic compassion and make us your family by the way we love one another with unconditional grace. Amen. Again, I want to say thank you for listening. If you have any prayers you would like us to pray for, please head over to LeroyUMC.org. Remember that you are loved. I pray you have a great week. Go in peace.